listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Let's jump in. Um, Today, you saw it in the title, Carol and I are going to talk to you about seven ingredients for strong faith, greater faith. Um, and really there is, it, it never happens by accident. Um, and one of the things that it's important to remember is though God has given to every person a measure of faith that you are responsible, I'm responsible to um, increase my faith. And it does take, uh, you know, it does take diligence It does take actual uh, strategic work to build your faith. It doesn't happen by accident. And you can look through the body of Christ and clearly see there are people who have strong faith and there are people who are weak in faith. You know, I use the, um, I use the uh, illustration all the time that that's why uh, the apostle Paul told the church um, in Ephesus, Ephesians chapter six, to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Well, you wouldn't have to say that. If everybody was strong in the Lord, you don't have to say that if everybody's strong, but he had to give that command because not everybody is strong, that there are weak people in the kingdom, but that means they're weak in faith, but you can be strong in faith. In fact, Jesus uh, dealt with this, you know, he, he even mentioned it in his ministry. There was a time he said to the, to the disciples, how is it that you have no faith? There was another time he said, oh, ye of little faith. And then he said to the centurion, uh, he said, I've not seen faith as great as this or great faith. So there's no faith. There's little faith. There's great faith. There's overcoming faith. And so it's important to know that, yes, there are levels, but God's not responsible for my level. He's given me the, the means, right? So he sets up just like seed time and harvest. God sets up a system and then lets you enter into the system. And that's what we're dealing with today. What does it take to build strong, overcoming faith? So God sets the system and then puts us into the system. And when you say levels, that means we have an opportunity to increase. It's not just stopped at one particular type and then that's it. Because people are like, well, I want to have what you have and I wish I... You don't have to wish. You have to put in what your belief system is into action, and then you can increase in your levels of faith. We're not meant to ever stay where we are as a Christian. And our faith is never capped. So you can't ever get into an old age and be like, well, I've heard it all, I've read the Bible through, and this is it. No, our faith is ever increasing until the return of the Lord. And so with levels, it's time to increase and take action steps that increase our level. You know, I read that verse in the Bible that says, You have faith the size of a mustard seed. I used to just read it over and then I realized about seeds. Mm -hmm. Seeds are meant to grow. Right. And so our, uh, and it says, like, like, look what you can do with the size of a mustard seed. Yeah. But it can only get bigger and bigger, which means there's opportunity and uh, instruction that our faith should go higher. Yeah, no question. And increase. That's exactly right. I mean, like, if you think about the fact that, and in fact, I want you, this, is, this will be a good place to start in the comments. I want you to write this in the comments. 
I'm responsible for my faith. I want you to put that in the comments. I'm responsible for my faith. It's, you know, nobody else will give an account for your faith level. Uh, God doesn't just automatically or sovereignly pick and choose which level of faith people are at. So well, I'm going to, you know, he's at 30% faith, but I'm going to make sure he's at 90% faith. God doesn't do that. God doesn't do that. And that's why you say, well, how do you know that that's not, that's not how God operates? Because if you look at when people, now here's a perfect example. When people who should have had greater faith had little faith, what did Jesus do? Rebuked them. He rebuked them. Jesus would not have been able to rebuke people for their lack of faith or their little faith if he was in control of their faith or if God was in control of their faith. That's not just, you know, it's like, Hey, this is what you gave me. I can't, I can't, you know, it's not my fault. I have little faith. This is the faith you gave me. No, God gives you the ability to grow in faith. But look, Jesus rebuked even the disciples for their lack of faith or for their little faith. So that's proof right there that, that we're, um, you know, in charge of seeing our faith grow, obviously. And, um, and so we're going to give you seven, seven things today, seven ingredients. And I saw you writing in the comments, if you haven't, and if you haven't shared, put it on, but write it in the comments. I'm responsible for my faith. That's so vital for us to get because the moment we do understand it, it gives us then the urgency to go after faith. Yeah. To go after faith. And that's what we need to do. So, um, seven ingredients for strong faith. And I want you to write these down. And, um, I'm not saying that there is a book in the works. There might be a book in the works from somebody. I'm not going to tell you who, <laughs> but it's going to be good. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm so proud of Carolyn. She's doing so awesome in everything that she does. She's the queen. Um, so. Wine. <laughs> She's the queen. Queen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's begin. Um, back in. bring it back, Carolyn. You're right. always so distracting with your <laughs> face and your stuff. So <laughs> Tell me, Ted, um, what's the other stuff? <laughs> Just the other things. Um, number one. So, so we're going to give you these three, uh, these seven. Put them in the comments. Write them down. Put them in your notes. In a month, Caitlin. Slow your roll, girl. Focus back onto faith. All right, bring it back. Ted just likes the out like of his it. mouth sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Ed, move on, everybody. <laughs> You're giving Tiffany fell out in the chair. Yep. I'm just She's calm done. down. Now I'm going to get sweaty. Tiffany just quit. She packed her bags and left <laughs> us. Um, so number one, we want to give you, these are practical. These are definitely practical things you can do to build your faith on a daily basis. Anything worth having. Now, let me say this because it's very, very important that you hear it. Anything worth having is worth building or growing or working on a, on a daily basis. Anything worth having is worth building, working on, uh, developing on a daily basis, right? Any relationship that you value, you work on it on a daily basis. Uh, anything that you have that you're stewarding, you work on it on a daily basis. Anything worth having is worth developing 
on a daily basis. So uh, let me give you these seven. We'll, we'll go over them and show you scripture from the word on this. But number one, you want to surround yourself with faith building elements, or uh, I, I would just put it this way, build a faith environment. That's, yeah. that's number one. Put that in the comments, write it in your notes. Number one, build a faith environment. That's huge. I can't tell you, and I, you've seen it too, how many people struggle because they don't do that. They fail to, or, or to even stay in a faith environment. Like uh, they, they'll, they'll go from a powerful revival, a powerful church service, and they go back into a place where they're stripped. Everything that, that's there is, is designed to strip them of faith. And there's my friend, Trey Waller, that I've not seen forever, who I love and that I went to Bible school with. I love you, Trey. I just saw his name pop up from, like, where do you from Louisiana. He, he was just up above people. Making it up, Ted. No, I love you, Trey. Trey does not exist. Um, but you've seen that. People just go back to their homes. I mean, I've seen it my whole life, but it couldn't have been more open than last year. Mm-hmm. You take 2019, everyone's in revival services, they're the New Year service, we're going into 2020 with this, and then all of a sudden, the media, what people was uh, talk, like everyone, everyone was talking about, infiltrated their home, infiltrated their ears, their eye gate, mm-hmm. and then look what happened. Yeah. It's like what they all believed before never existed to begin yeah. with. I was blown away by that. And you just see people that like have, they didn't, they didn't keep themselves in a faith environment and and it affected them without question. And I can tell you for a fact that we built a faith environment, not only because you did those, I don't even know what it was, 25 days of 25 days, faith building teaching, but we purposely, and then we switched over into dominion. Yeah. After the 25 days yep. of faith. We, but we purposely, we did not have, and we still, we, it wasn't 2020. That's just a year we can talk about because it just happened. But uh, every year we don't watch the news in our house. We haven't had cable for years. When mm-hmm. we took off on the road back yep. when Maddie was a baby, we just got rid of it. And we do not uh Keep that on in our house. I don't care on what purpose. is going. Yeah, I don't care what's. We don't what get a they newspaper. say does not dictate what happens in my home, and I'm keeping my children full of faith. There was things I did. You know, I I mentioned this at um, where were we at? World Harvest. You have to take steps to keep your environment full of faith. And so one of them was, and I just bring this up because it's just an example I have quickly at the top of my head, was the whole hand sanitizer thing. Because I saw how people were reacting to this and spending thousands upon thousands of dollars on something that they never spent thousands of dollars on before, I knew it was a fear motivation to, to do that. Fear, fear makes you do stupid things. Yes, it and does. so to spend all your savings on this box of goo ticked me off. And so to keep a faith environment, I went through our home. Oh, I didn't have much, but and he was happy because I ended up, I told my kids, I said, listen, when mom's ready, 
and I feel a release on it, I will buy you new Bath and Body Works hand sanitizer, though I know he was secretly rejoicing because he hates the smell of it. Hate it. But I just took it all, I dumped it in the garbage, and I would not let an environment that my kids were being told, you've got to wash your hands this song. Like, haven't we learned this since, like, 19, 1910 that we're supposed to have like per personal hygiene and wash your hands anyway. But thanks for making me feel like a kindergartner again at 38, singing songs and stuff. <laughs> My homeowners association sent me a Christmas carol that changed the words to washing hands that I could sing. I was like, where am I right now? That's the, the Twilight Zone. I was like screaming around my house. But I just got rid of it. And I said, every time we've gone to a store, every airplane and they try to offer it to me, I say kindly, no thank you. And my kids just know it because we're not gonna let anything, we've built an environment to keep that nonsense out. Right. So hand sanitizer is not bad, it's not evil, and I don't dislike it. But it was a statement at the moment where fear was at a height that I said, I'm not going to look like everybody else. Right. I'm not going to do what they're telling me to do to keep something out that I'm already redeemed from. Mm -hmm. So you have to build that environment. Shut off the news. Shut off the bad reports. Shut off, you know, take a step, right. an action step of where you want to go. Mm -hmm. I know every time I say this, I get messages and the people stop me at church. Well, I use hand sanitizer. Well, it's fine. Use hand sanitizer. Yeah. But... Everyone has to take an action step. And for my household, it was anything that represented fear in that moment was not allowed in my house. Mm -hmm. And to me, that represent everyone felt like they needed that to make sure they were clean from this Listen, virus. I saw people on planes that were doing, they didn't care that the airline had done a cleaning of the, of the plane before they got on. They took like a good 10 minutes and like by hand with sanitizer, like sanitizer wipes, cleaned their whole chair down, head, back. I mean, like you've got three shirts on. Your your skin's not even touching the back. Right in the back, the arms, the the front, the sides, the wall where the window is. It's like, dude, listen to me. Did you think there were no germs before COVID nineteen? There was nobody like scrubbing their seats down. Yeah. Before COVID nineteen. You think that germs just started appearing? You think viruses just started appearing when when COVID-19 came around? And then you got these people doing full washdowns of their seats, like in total fear, like in total fear. But I, I would fear. say that to people at the stores, and I still do, they, they, you know, they try to hand me the most sanitized cart, and I'll take it from the dirty one, and they're like, wait, ma'am. And I'm like, no, I want this one. It's okay. Are you sure? I'll wipe it down. And I said, One time I told this person, I said, no. I said, you, do, you weren't standing here wiping down carts before. Right. I was like, I don't need you to wipe it down now. I still went to the store like normal. Exactly. Heather said there was a, there was a server in Syracuse wearing three masks and gloves at a restaurant. Oh, three masks I, and gloves. I was just at Publix and I looked over. I took a double take. People probably think, you know, but you, you, when you wear these things, you're asking for people to stare at you. He had... <laughs> Those gas mask things, like the two big no nozzles, you know, and like this big leather strap around his head. I promise you. I thought, you. you know what? Why are you even here? You I'm going to go. Just to have your stuff delivered to your house. I'm going to buy a hazmat suit and just wear it to the grocery store. People had a that on at Walmart when no, I went. a full hazmat suit. It's ridiculous. I, um, and, and I'm not mocking people who have to wear masks. Masks were worn before COVID. People had certain jobs that, that, that asked for them. Best tweet I've ever seen was this. If masks work, 
why haven't they? Because I, if masks work, I spoke why haven't they? to some um, people in the medical field on this last trip and uh, people who actually need to wear one because they're making stuff for transfusions. And they said, you know, the blue one that's out there is not for that. It's to keep stuff out like from doctors from getting, you know, sick patients, you know, blood and different things like that. It doesn't do anything against a virus. Yeah, people are not smart. And that there are certain ones. So, so you have to take action steps and create an environment that's the that key. takes out fear and keeps in faith. And then make sure it keeps in faith, like she said. Make sure that you are putting things. So there's two obviously two areas that you're stripping out things like she said that would steal from your faith, the news. I don't we don't get a newspaper, we don't turn on the news, none of that stuff. But then also adding things in because just because there's a lack of things that bring fear doesn't mean your faith will be built. Remember that just because you strip what brings fear or anxiety doesn't mean your faith will be built. That's one level. But then the next step is this, uh, in, in that building an environment, you have to add things in that are going to build your faith. And of course you're doing that now. You watch the broadcast daily, you read your Bible, you've got things in your environment, you've got books, you've got teaching, you've got Miracle Word Radio, you, many of you are subscribed to Miracle Word University, um, you know, whatever it is. And even the people, get this now, even the people um, that you give access to your life need to be faith-filled people. Right. You know, there's people that I don't even talk to. There's people even during this last year that I've just realized, like, we don't have as much in common as I thought we did. And I've just kind of like, love you from a distance. <laughs> it's like, I'm not, I don't have time for foolishness, especially with what all the Lord's calling us to do before Jesus comes. I don't have yeah. time for foolishness. So I'll love you from a distance. But, but in all honesty, people I'm keeping around me are faith people, people that speak faith, live faith, have faith. Because that's what I want. The Bible says bad company corrupts good character. I'm not going to allow or give access to people in my life that all they do is speak doubt, fear, unbelief. I don't have time. I don't have time for it. And listen, I'm not the solver of every person's personality problem. I'm not the solution. God has the Holy Spirit's been sent to people. If they reject, you know, it's like one time when I was uh, preaching. And I knew by the spirit that a certain person, a certain couple that were sitting in the service needed to be saved. I knew it by the spirit. I knew they weren't living for the Lord. And I gave the altar call and they never moved and other people came and got saved. And I was waiting. I gave the altar call two, three times. If you're, you know, you're not ready for heaven. And they sat there, sat there, sat there. And so service ended and I was still feeling that heaviness in my spirit. Cause I knew that couple needed Jesus. And, um, they were getting ready to go. They were walking up the center aisle. And my temptation was to jump off the platform and to go talk to them and say, Hey, are you guys sure that you're ready for heaven? Are you sure that if Jesus came tonight, that your life is ready? And the Lord stopped me from doing that. And you know what he said, which this is the key. He said, if they won't listen to my voice, what makes you think they'd listen to your voice? That's what he told me. I had never heard anything like that. And the Lord said, if they won't listen to my voice, what makes you think they'll listen to your voice? And that's the key that I'm realizing is that these people will stay around you. They go to the, maybe they go to the same church as you. Maybe they go to a good church. They're Christians, whatever. They're responsible for their faith. 
And you know what I realized at that point is that like, I'm not everyone's solution for their problems. If you won't listen to the Holy Ghost, if you won't listen to the word, what makes uh, me think that they'd listen to my voice or listen to me? And so I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to mess around with that. I've got a job to do. I've got um, a mission to accomplish for the Lord. There's an agenda that I, I'm a part of. It's a kingdom agenda. And so I, you don't have time. I don't have time to continually just um, hear these people that won't stop with the fear, the doubt, the unbelief. Then they mock you. Then they start mocking you. Uh, if you believe that the word of God's true, they mock you. If you believe that, uh, miracles will take place and God will protect you and you'll have, and I don't have time for that. I'm not, I'm not messing with that. And they're not going to pollute. You know, I know people could probably log on, download this video and take me out of context, but I don't really give a crap. I'm not going to allow them to pollute the environment. Taking everything else out of context. Yeah. I'm not going to allow them to pollute the environment. You know, p- people get all, get all mad at uh, uh, Brother Kenneth Copeland because he said, you know, sometimes you get on airlines and get on those planes and you're in a tube with demons. Let me tell you something. He wasn't <laughs> far off because we've flown multiple times with demon-possessed people. Just to, They just flew. You had just a, a demon-possessed person that was like in front of you. Uh, yeah. Manifesting. Yeah, I had to take a video for Ted because I was like, I'm not exaggerating. You know, some people yeah. think every like everything's a demon, and, and no, no, no. But it, this person it, was not, straight manifesting because, I mean, when you've been in as many services I have and around this, you there's a certain sound. There's a certain sound that they do. I'm not kidding. There's like a certain sound. No, I know. It's like an inner. It's because. It, I just, it's like a crying I, out, I, like I pi- the Bible yes, says. Yes, I picture, I picture like a per, a little person in here, and like they're trying to get out. And I'm not kidding; they were trying to get out. Yeah. And it was, it had me on the defense. Like I had was not relaxed. And let me tell you, it was not because I wasn't relaxed because I was scared. I was ready to pounce. Yeah. I was like, my kids were sitting literally right behind the demon possessed person standing up on the airline. The person was standing up and crying out. Screaming like an inner release. And um, stewardesses can't do anything. I, I, uh, the person that was with them couldn't do anything. I, I'm texting him and I <laughs> She's like, I'm about to cast out a demon. Yeah. I told the person next to me, he probably, he, he laughed at me, but I looked over and I said to him, <laughs> I said, I might have to use the name of Jesus on this flight to cast something out. And he chuckled at me. But I mean, you know, and, you know, Brooklyn mentioned it. We were sitting at the North Carolina airport waiting for you to join us to check in. And she goes, Mom, (laughs) she goes, I hope our flight's not like the flight on the way here. And I was like, (laughs) the person screaming. She's like, yeah. I was like, no. And she can feel it. And she's seven. You know what I mean? Oh, so she said she said it getting off. I said Brooklyn, they were screaming because of you. Cause Brooklyn, was. it just shows you like people. You can Brooklyn take whatever right you want out of context, but you know what? He wasn't wrong. He wasn't wrong. And um, and I don't care if people take this out of context. I'm not going to allow fear. You know, people that always speak for anxiety, people doubt people to pollute my environment. You're right. not doing it. I guard my environment. I guard my family. I'm not giving access to everybody to come speak and say whatever they want to say. I'm just not doing it. You're in charge of it. Think of it as your own personal home. Right. What you open the door to, what you say, hey, come on in, 
you are welcome in this place That's right. is the same way. You got to lock the door and shut it or you, you don't blame anyone else. Don't blame God. It's what you've allowed. Yeah. And then that's number one. So build a faith environment. Number one, number two, build on the word and not on experience. This is, this, this is, is huge. vital. This makes or breaks your Christianity. Yep. I'm not even kidding. And I've learned that over the years, this makes or breaks how you live your life on earth. Every day you have a choice to ignore external uh, input or stimulus, you'll have reports come to you daily. That's why I say limit the reports. Amy, Sherry, love you. That's why I say limit the reports. I don't, I, I make a purpose to not um, listen to the news and all that because I understand where the, the agenda behind it. So I limit those evil reports. The Bible calls it an evil report. Anything that contradicts God's word is an evil report. It's an evil report. You see that in the book of Numbers as they went in and came back with a, a report that they couldn't take the promised land. Bible said they presented an evil report. Anything that contradicts God's word is an evil report. You're calling God a liar when, is what you're when doing. When you like write that down, anything that contradicts the word of the Lord is an evil report and stick that places, keep it on your phone right. and let that be a remembrance to you. Anything, yep. anything. Not, 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 not just a big report, not just, you know, some big attack in your life, anything small that contradicts the word of the Lord. Yeah. So you've got to build your faith. Of course, we know how faith comes according to Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so we know that we have that, but it's not just by hearing only. I want you to see this because there are people that did hear the word and still had doubt. Let me give you an example of one. Thomas, Jesus' disciple. Thomas was always around Jesus, heard all of his messages, watched all of his miracles, should have had the greatest faith in the world. And then the Bible says after Jesus' resurrection, you know what Thomas said? I won't believe it unless I can put my fingers in the nail scars in his hands. So Thomas didn't have great faith should have heard the word, heard the word from the word because Jesus is the word made flesh, but he didn't. Hey, he had, he had doubt and unbelief. <laughs> so it's not just, it's not just hearing, catch this. It's hearing it and believing it as the final truth. Catch that. That's it. Carolyn just it. got it. Uh, caught it. Hearing it. Listen, and believe it as the final truth. Love you, Miss Al. Right. Put that in the comments. Faith comes by hearing it and believing it as the final truth. The final truth. You know what the final truth is? That's the truth that sits above any other fact in the world. Sits above. We're not denying facts. We're saying the truth of God's word is higher than facts. Because, you know, when you, when you get the word of God and the revelation of it into your spirit... You, your hearing changes yeah. because, you know, there's times where, you know, as you're growing up in the word of God, you hear something and then you're like, mm, you know, that's, um, but I'm telling you immediately when I hear something that contradicts the word of God, it 
it's like a punch in my gut, like a warning, like, nope, that's not right. This is what the word of God says. So you have to get that in, you know, what we're getting ready to read is, is Romans 10, 17. So faith comes by hearing, that is hearing the good news about Christ. So you, you have the right knowing of what the word of God says, your doctrine is correct. When you hear it wrong, it rises up inside of you. It's like, nope, that's not the report that God's given me. This is what he says about my marriage. This is what he says about my body. This is what he says about my kids, my family, you know, my finances. That's not right. This is right. Right. And the key becomes too, is that what, what can happen if you read the parable of the sower, right? Mark chapter four, the, the sower sowed the seed of the word and it fell upon four types of ground. So you have to make sure that your heart is good ground, right? Making sure that your heart is good ground. You don't want your heart to be thorny ground. Well, what did they define to be thorny ground? That's the person who heard the word, but then the lust for riches or the cares of this world uh, grew up as thorns and choked out the revelation of God's word. That's what happened. The Bible says thorny ground people, the cares of this world then come in and choke out God's word. So it's the same word on all four grounds. It's not a different word, different level, different strength. It's the same word, same strength, same power, but the ground determined what happened to the seed of the word. So you're preparing yourself as good ground. And you know what that means for thorny ground? That you refuse to let the cares of this world, which come from external stimulus, external input. You see the news, you read the newspaper, you're doom scrolling on Twitter, like psychologists have coined that term. All these things, and then it affects your heart. Somebody has the wrong doctrine, doesn't believe the same as you. That's all going into your ear gate. (laughs) Right, they're talking to you. They're trying to discourage you from truly believing that God's word will come to, oh, you believe like that. Well, I just would hate, I would hate to see your your, your faith, your your hope dashed, or your expectations dashed. They talk to you like that. So it's not just news, it's friends too. Yeah, it's everything. Neighbors, every every voice. Matthew 14, you know, Peter is interacting with Jesus himself in a boat during a storm and they see Jesus come walking towards the boat on the water. And Peter said, Lord, if it's really you, Matthew 14, 28 through 30, if you want the reference to put in the comments, Matthew 14, 28 through 30. And when Jesus comes walking toward the boat, Peter said, Lord, if it's really you call me out to come to you. And Jesus said, come. And Peter Because look, his eyes were on the word, on the word, on the word, on the word, not on the storm, on the word. And he stepped out and did the impossible, walked on the water, did the impossible and kept his eyes on the word, on the word. Notice as soon as his eyes shifted from the word to the world, word to world, word to world, he began to sink started looking at the waves, started looking at all the things that were going on in the storm. And he began to sink. The Bible says the moment you shift your focus from the word to the world, you begin to decrease. You begin to diminish word to world. You need to keep your eyes from the world to the word. The word takes precedent over every other thing in our lives. And we don't build our faith on experiences, but on the word. 
How many times have you heard somebody say, um, you know, I know you preach that, but I knew so-and-so and he was as godly a man as you could ever know. And he died of this, or he had this happen. Everybody and then they look at you like, explain that. Hands, right? Raise I mean, your yeah, emoji put an emoji hand up if you've heard somebody say stuff like that. you've heard somebody say that. Or even if maybe you've thought that, like, man, I thought they were, you know, someone you know, a friend or family member, like, man, I thought they, you know, really believed in, in this or they, yeah, because that's such a common thought. That's such a common thought that we will take someone else's story. Right. And then we change the word of God. Yeah. And our belief system. And, and that's one of the things that, you know, I, well, now that you said it, I'll be putting in my book because I dealt with that when Madeline got sick. And I realized at that moment that your compassion for the situation Compassion for, I mean, who who has greater compassion than their own mother? Right, your mother. Looking at their daughter, you know, in severe pain, crying and can't move. Okay, so, you know, I understand compassion for somebody who's going through something, but that should never, ever compromise your faith. Right. Compassion should never compromise your faith. And so we've all been in that thought where it's like, wait, and then you... He has been a big, massive rock in my life because he's taught me that. Because at times, especially being a woman who tend, you know, we're just built differently and more on the emotional side, he's always has said, listen, you know, he jerks me back into place. <laughs> he, listen, you can't take <laughs> someone else's story, someone else's problems, someone else's news, so any, anything that's not what the word of God has said and let it change your right. belief system that's right. of what God has said. Because after they say that stuff, then they look at you like, explain that one. Because I know brother so-and-so. And this so -and -so. is what everybody has to do. And I've seen it firsthand. Christians feel like they have to cover for Jesus. Right. They have to explain what's going on. And it, it's like he doesn't need your help. He right. doesn't need you to explain anything. He, does, he needs you to be a strong pillar of faith and right. you to point them to the word of God and let them see what the revelation is. I mean, of I, the I word feel like said. saying this sometimes, but like obviously I have compassion. He doesn't I'm not need gonna, you to do that. I'm not going to like, you know, smash somebody that had like a loved one die, but like, Many times it's just, it's not even a loved one. It's like, say, heard some story of like, well, what about this preacher? He, he, he had this happen. And I feel like looking him in the eye and being like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize that that preacher was the word of God. I didn't realize that his life was the Holy Spirit. No, it's not. Your life and your experience are not greater than the written word of God. And remember, you don't know everything about the person you think you know. Well, that's the thing. And you the know other, what I mean? You know, some people have had, like, you know, like they, you know, people talking about, well, I got this a lot, you know, when uh, I wrote Blood on the Door and people were like, I know you say that you wrote in your book that, you know, when you get on a plane, it can't go down because you go down. Well, what about such and such a preacher? He died in a plane crash and he died in a plane crash. And, um, you know, they'll bring those things up. Sometimes they don't even know. I could, I could name one, I won't uh, put his name out, but I could name one right now that they were told not to fly. 
They were told not to, they got uh, in, instructions from air traffic control, don't take off, don't fly there, there's bad weather, it's extremely windy, it's windy enough to, so that airliners aren't even going in, your smaller private jet will be even uh, blown around even more because of the wind, and they took off anyway. That's not faith, it's stupidity. Yeah. That's stupidity. But see, faith you does not, con- that's you know, the thing, people, you know, you've heard that, other people haven't heard that. So that's the whole point is you can't go by those instances. Yeah, and in the those people situations. don't know that so- side of the story, but they know the, uh, well, he crashed. Yeah. Cause he did something stupid, did something stupid. And so, you, you know, don't know what the Holy spirit has told them and they've that's ignored. That's a warning. <laughs> you don't, you don't know, you don't know about that stuff. So you can't, I never would change ever. your thoughts. I can't imagine basing my theology on what happened in someone's life. What a stupid way to live. I know, but it's so major right now. It's what everybody's doing. Everybody comes to you about, I mean, not just you in general, I'm saying everyone comes to somebody about that. My grandfather died of cancer. My, you know, he was a great man. He was a great man of God. He sang hymns every morning and he, uh, I get that. And it doesn't mean it makes him any less of a man of God. Right. But you just don't know Everything. Right. So I just to leave it at that. You don't know everything. So number one. And I'm not Bill, saying secret sin. I'm just saying you don't know. Right. They could have had like their the time warnings. with the Lord. The warnings. They could have said to the Lord, you know what? I'm I'm ready. I'm ready. They right. just said I'm ready. And so their faith was released in right. that. And then you got other people that are, you know, vying for it. But you know what? You just, just trust the word of God. Yeah. (laughs) Leave it at that. Put your blinders on and trust the word of God. Number one, build a faith environment. Number two, build your faith on the word, not someone's experience. Number three, look at the word and not someone's personality. This goes right along with what we're just teaching. I know so many people, that's number three, by the way, build it on the word, not a personality. Now this, this is different. And I'll tell you how. I've seen so many people whose faith was crushed when their favorite preacher, you know, had a problem and that they were so following the personality instead of the word of God, that when a personality had an issue, then they like, they were completely They threw the whole thing out. Yeah. The Bible must not be true. It it doesn't work because that that was my favorite (laughs) preacher. And and, and literally they had an issue. Not going to church anymore. Right. And so they have a total issue oh, because Jesus. really they were, they were following a personality and not the word of God. Amen. I mean, it's, it's absolutely true. Uh, listen to first Corinthians 11, one, this will help you. This will help you. I'm not see, because I'm not saying that we don't look towards, I mean, God has given us men and women of God. That's, that's clear in the scripture. You know, they're gifts to the church. Uh, Ephesians chapter uh, four, you can read that and understand first Corinthians, you understand God placed gifts in the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. We know that, but there is what we would call a caveat to this uh, rule. And that is what we see in first Corinthians 11, one, Paul taught it because, you know, he said multiple times, imitate me imitate me, live like I live. I'm sending Timothy to teach you to live like I live. So there is, there does have to be a certain level of comparison. There does have to be a certain level of um, 
imitation. Right. Or that's what the Bible teaches. But look at the caveat. Um, it says this Hebrew or excuse me, first Corinthians 11, one be imitators of me as I am of Christ. You see that be imitators of me as I am of Christ. There it is. There is the key to that whole process. If you see somebody stop following Christ, stop following them, right? Don't get bent out of shape. Understand that everybody's human and understand that everybody is subject to temptation. Everybody has to do uh, their own part to live free from that. But if they stop following Christ, stop following them. Don't get bent out of shape. Don't lose your faith. Don't fall away from church because somebody had an issue. If you see, that's how easy it has to be. If I see them stop following Christ, I'm not going to follow them. That just means that they had more control over you in general. It means that you were following them. That's that's why the Bible says, no, no man after the flesh. You don't want to follow their flesh. I'm trying to follow their spiritual direction. That's what I'm saying. They had more control over you because once they, you know, messed up or did whatever, then you're like, well, the word of God must not be true Mm -hmm. or I don't need to go to church anymore. Oh, how many people? I'm not going to read the Bible anymore. And so it just goes to show you that they actually had the control. You, You really were worshiping them than you were worshiping Right. Savior. Yeah, you, it was too much about the the human being than it was the God in them that anointed them to lead. And that's God is not a man. He will not lie and he will not fail. And so when you follow that over the flesh, you're going to get different results. Mm-hmm. And then when, you know, some people that have fallen away, right. you won't have that. You'll, you'll look at it differently. You're going to, you feel bad for the situation and you pray for them to come around. You pray for that situation and like, Lord, restore whatever happened, Mm -hmm. you know, but then you're, you can can easily continue your walk with the Lord and your faith at a high. Of course. That's not going to make you stumble. Yeah. Absolutely true. Laura Bible said we know so many people it, who leave the church for reason. this reason. It's a major reason. It is sad. And, and when you see these, and especially if it's on a large scale where it's an internationally known person or a nationally known person, so many are shaken. You know, they're shaken. What, what, what in the world? That shows that your faith's in a man and That's not good, in Hannah. God. She was in North Carolina. So you got to be very careful. That's number three. So number one, build a faith environment. Number two, build on the word, not on experience. Number three, look at the word, not someone's personality. That's huge. I can't tell you how many times we've seen that. Number four, here's a key. If I followed your personality, I'd be in trouble. Heard that. Um, number, Number four, write it in the comments. Live in obedience. Put that in the comment section. Live in obedience. Huge. That's right, Christina. God will never fail. Live in obedience. Listen to this. One of the things that keeps us in a place where our faith can work all the time is obedience to the word of God. Um, in 1 John 3, and this is where we're headed, 1 John 3, 22, I want to show you um, exactly how it's worded. And I want to make sure this is highlighted. I don't know why it hasn't been. Bam. Um, first John, not that dedicated. I know it. 
1 John 3, <laughs> 22. Listen to this. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. You see that? And so there, there it is. See, anything we receive from God, we receive by faith, obviously. And the Bible's telling us here that one of the reasons that our faith is working, that, that our faith is strong, that our faith is fruitful, is because we obey his commandments and do what pleases him. That's huge. Keep his commandments, do what pleases him. Simply living in obedience. You know, what's interesting is um, we've done teaching on prayer. And by the way, if you've not gotten a chance to check these courses out in Miracle Word University, I'm, I'm strongly and highly encouraging you to check them out in Miracle Word U because we have an entire course on answered prayer. And there on the screen, you can see the link, miraclewordu.com. We have an entire course, five hours of teaching on answered prayer. And we have a, an entire course, five hours of teaching on mountain moving faith. And then others, we just dropped the one on prosperity. So there's all kinds of resources for you. But one of the things you'll see both in answered prayer and faith is that one of the main reasons that um, prayers are not answered and David dealt with this. He said, if I had, um, if I had iniquity in my heart or regarded iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not hear me. Think about that. He said, if I, that's sin, by the way, if I regarded sin or had it sin in my heart, the Lord would not hear my prayers. It's echoed in the new Testament in the book of first Peter chapter three, listen to the way that Peter said it. He said, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. That's what we're talking about. And his ears are open to their prayers but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So this fourth point we're bringing out today is make sure that you're living in obedience. What does that do? It keeps you in a place where your faith can work, yeah. where God hears your prayers, where things come to pass. You have a fruitful life in the kingdom. Why? Obedience is the key to activity in the kingdom of God. It's the key to God's blessings. He won't withhold any good thing from people that walk uprightly, the Bible says, Psalm 84, 11. And so number four is, is, a, is a key. Look at, uh, you have John 15. Yeah. Um, John 15, seven. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. Look at that. If you remain in me and my words remain in you. Made me think of Jeremiah 15. You always say, eat the word mm -hmm. and jest. And it made me think of 15, 16. When I discovered your words, I devoured them. Devour them. Take in your spirit, man. Eat on the word of God. It's, it's not, uh, you know, it's not a coincidence that he says, you know, give us this day our daily bread. Mm -hmm. And it talks about the representation of bread all throughout, especially in the miracle meal, of how important it is to eat ingest the word of God. And it's so when it's saying here, my words remain, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you can ask anything and it will be given to you. Mm -hmm. And so it's important that we are taking in and it's building our faith mm -hmm. as we're ingesting 
and just right. take take in. You know, sometimes when you you know eat something just like regular food, it could be a little hard at first, but it's still something that you're not you don't need to spit it out. You need to just keep chewing a little bit longer and then swallowing it. Same for the word. Stuff you're going to read, it might be a little hard at first or it might, you know, be a lot, but it's for us and it's not for us to pick and choose what we want and don't want. You know, this is a uh, instruction manual where it's all given to us, whether we like it or not at first, but at the end of the day, you're going to like it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Absolutely. So that's the key. Live in obedience. I'll give you number five. Number five is this. Humble yourself. Ooh. Humble yourself. That word. That's big, man. That word. Humble yourself. So what does that mean? Well, when you read the book of James chapter four and verse six, the Bible says that God resists or opposes the proud, but gives more grace or hum, uh, favor to the humble. Gives you a stiff arm. Yeah, you don't want to catch that. God gives more grace or favor to the humble, people who humble themselves, people who are meek. <laughs> humble pie. <laughs> that's it. People that are meek. That's James 4, 6. God resists the proud. You don't want God resisting you. <laughs> you want God on your side. If God's for you, who can be against you? Pride is a killer. It's a killer. What does the Bible say? Pride goes before destruction. And a haughty spirit Boy. before a fall. Oops. Both you, sound bad. <laughs> you, you actually set yourself up for promotion, increase, blessing. When you walk with a humble heart, walk with a meek spirit, you set yourself up for God to raise you up. And see, faith works that way. Because if you think about it in the context of how we approach God by faith, without faith, it's impossible to please God, right? So if you're, watch this, this will help you to see it. If you're not pleasing God, it means you're not operating by faith, right? If you're not pleasing God, you're not operating by faith. Well, if the Bible says that God opposes you or resists you when you're proud, then you're not pleasing him if he's resisting you. You're not pleasing him if uh, he's resisting. If he's opposed to you, you're not. So there's the key. If you're in pride, then you're not in faith. Ooh. If you're in pride, you're not in faith. Put it in the comments. If I'm in pride, I'm not in faith. And if you're not in faith, you're in. That's what the Bible says. <laughs> That's what the Bible says. Romans 4, uh, 14, 23. If you're not in faith, you're in sin. Mm -hmm. Anything that does not proceed from faith swallow, is sin. But Romans 14, 23. And so catch this. Humility. That's right. If I'm not in pride, I'm not in faith. Just put in the comments. If I'm not in pride, I'm not in faith. Or if I'm in pride, I'm not in faith. So the key being that pride is actually a destructive force that tries to come against the believer's life. Your flesh wants to walk in pride. Wants to. Yeah. Tries to. And that's why it's actually a work of the spirit to humble yourself. If I'm in pride, I'm not in faith. You have to Amen. speak to your flesh. You have to. You're the boss. You tell it. This is how I'm going to feel. 
This is how I'm going to act. This is how I'm going to be. These are the, I mean, be in control of your emotions. That's major fruit of the spirit. Mm -hmm. If you have self-control, the others fall into line easy peasy. Self-control to me is the main factor of uh, the fruit of the spirit. It is. And so you have that. Forget it. The other ones just come. Right. Right. They follow right behind it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, Number six, put this down in your notes. Uh, The seventh ingredient for strong faith, develop holy boldness. Develop holy boldness. This is huge. Um, Are you in what? Hebrews 4? Yeah. Um, Yeah, read that. Hebrews 4.16. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. That's it. Think about that. With confidence, draw near to the throne of grace. So here's the key that I wanted to show you. If you don't have boldness, holy boldness, then you won't approach God, right? The Bible says um, in Hebrews and verse 11, which is a few chapters later, the Bible says in Hebrews 11, that without faith, it's impossible to please God. And they that come to God, yeah, Hebrews 4.16, that's right, Caitlin. And they that come to God. Now that's, that's a big part right there. I want to, I want to break that again down and without face for those who would draw near to God. That's, that's Hebrews eleven six. That that's a part people don't focus on a lot. You know what they focus on uh, without faith? It's impossible to please him. And that he's a rewarder of those that seek him. Those are the two things people focus on in that verse. But let me show you another part of this verse here. But those who would draw near to God. Or one translation, those who come to God must believe that he exists. So the drawing near, the coming to God, that, by the way, will never happen. Never. If you don't have a holy boldness. And that's why in the same book, Hebrews 4.16 is instructing us. Let us go boldly. Or this translation, let us with confidence draw near. See, because here's the thing. If you feel unworthy, if you feel uh, out of position, if you feel, uh, or if you have a wrong uh, understanding of his nature, you think he's always out to hurt you, punish you. He's looking to judge you. If you have those things, you won't draw near. You'll think that God's just there to, uh, he's looking for you to fail so he can, whatever. If you have that wrong thinking, you yeah. definitely will not draw near. That's why when you understand truly who your heavenly father is mm-hmm. and how much he loves you, that in itself gives you such a boost of confidence. Not, I mean, being filled with the Holy Spirit gives you boldness, but you have to take action steps to go after it. And so listing all the things, like you said, that you feel like maybe your past you know, overtakes your thoughts and, and this and that, you don't have the confidence to do it. Mm-hmm. But when you understand the nature of your heavenly father and the good gifts he has for you and what he wants, you know, everyone has an assignment, whether you're in the fivefold ministry or not. And so he wants you to do great things for the kingdom of God. He wants your life to be heaven on earth. Mm-hmm. And it absolutely can be. We're not waiting to get to heaven to, to have all the goodness of God. That's right. He wants us to have heaven on earth, to pull it down yes. here on earth and live that way. 
And when you're transitioned into heaven, it's not going to feel so different. Right. I want to have everything I can that he's promised me. And you get that by having faith. Yep. You pull in from what's given to us in the supernatural and we can pull it into the natural. That's why it's important to realize there are two two worlds. We're not from this world, the Bible says. Yeah. We're from a different place. But because we are from a different place, things are going to work differently for us. And in order to make them work differently, we have to pull what works for us, which is the supernatural stuff, and pull it into the natural world that we're living in. Amen. And we can do that by knowing our nature of our Heavenly Father and having that confidence to have that holy boldness. Yep. And, and if it's not something that you have, pray and ask for that. I mean, there's things I've always had to work on my entire life and I've asked the Lord, listen, I know this is something you want me to step into. I don't think I can do it. And he would say, yes, you can. And this is why. And then I'd have to go and search it out for myself and build my spirit man. And when your spirit man gets built and when you get the right words and you, I mean, how many of you have been in a service or you've read something and like, I can still feel it to this day. The gift of faith punches into my spirit, man. Mm -hmm. And I'm ready to like leap up. I'm ready to stand. I'm ready to run. I'm ready to take on the world. I'm ready to do everything. Well, that's the gift of faith that just entered into your spirit, man, that it's like a holy boldness. It's a holy strength that you can do anything. And that's something that you can get even outside of a service mm -hmm. by being in his presence, by being in his word. And so that is uh, one of, what was it? Number six that we're doing. It's something you have to develop. What develop means it comes and then you continually work on it. Right. You continually feed it. It's a developing, just like bo bodybuilders. They develop their muscles. It's yeah. not one time they go to the gym and they come out looking like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Right. It's a development. It's every day they're doing something. They're protein drinks, weights, eating properly. It's a right. developing of everyday stuff. Absolutely. I didn't get like this by accident. Watch? Am I talking no. too long? Sorry, brother at, Ted. I was looking at these. Sorry, guys. Didn't, taking uh, up your time. Didn't get like this by accident. Developed it. Developed it. Oh, you were looking at your muscles? Mm-hmm. Just uh, not your watch. Which way is the beach? It's that way. Um, <laughs> you know you love it. Um, this is perfect. You ready for number seven? No. Stay in love. I'm done. Stay in love. <laughs> Stay in love. I'm done. Don't you have a new book coming out on faith? Will you cut Stay it out? <laughs> Stay in love. That's what the Bible teaches. Faith. This one I have to work on the most. No. No. <laughs> faith works by love. love. Galatians 5, 6. Faith works by love. And one of the things that um, Christians don't want to hear, don't like to hear, is... Um, <laughs> That's right, AJ. I know this physique looks like it just comes easy, but there's a lot of work behind this. Um, one of the things that's very hard for Christians to hear, they don't want to hear, and I think this is funny because we turn to Mark 11 all the time to talk about faith. You mentioned it earlier in the broadcast at the beginning, faith the size of a mustard seed. Mm -hmm. Talk about if you speak to the mountain, uh, tell it to be cast into the sea. Don't doubt in your heart. You'll have whatever you say. We, we go there to talk about Jesus saying, have faith in sure. God or have we the hear faith these of verses God. A lot. We go through those three verses, you know, um, whatsoever you desire, when you pray, believe you'll receive them. You shall have. Them. It's so funny how everybody stops 
at verse 24. Everybody just quits at verse 24. But verse 25 is also a major, major key. Go beyond, have faith in God, speak to the mountain, cast in the sea, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe you, receive you shall have them. Look at verse 25. And that means he wasn't done talking. <laughs> Catch that. It means Jesus wasn't done talking. And whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone, so that your father who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. That is connected. You understand after that, uh, the Bible transitions there. It breaks away from that story. And then it's a transition to telling them that they, they traveled and came again to Jerusalem. So it ends there, but notice everybody else ends in 24. They stop reading. They stop talking. They go on to teach 22 through 24, but 25 is included in that context. He's saying you can have faith, all these other things, but if we understand it works by love, when you stand praying, when you want your faith to work, you better be forgiving. You better not be holding offense. You better not be mad at everybody or offended at everybody or having problems with everybody because it will literally cut your faith off. People don't like that. They don't like to hear it, but Jesus had to teach it because when he started talking about using your faith, operating in faith, moving mountains with your faith, you've also got to forgive. Absolutely. And we've seen people that get all bent out of shape. They hold grudges. They're offended. And then their life starts to crash. Their life, it starts to to tumble and crumble right in front of them. Yeah. I've known people in the past where, um, you know, everything seemed all right, but they just kept hitting a roadblock with this one particular uh, thing they needed God to do in their life. And, and I was talking to them and I finally said like, you know, you can uh, put a roadblock on a miracle from God if there is any unforgiveness in your life. And they were kind of like, huh? What? Yeah. And I was like, you know, you, you read the Bible daily, you go to church faithfully and this is what happened. People start, you know, well, maybe God doesn't really want to heal me. Maybe God wants to, you know, let me suffer for his glory. He's, you know, letting me stretch this out so I can have a bigger testimony. You know, all these crazy things people get popped into their mind and then they say, Ugh, sorry, <laughs> I just think of all these cute things that people think then they post. And I'm like, did you really read that before you posted it? And do you really believe that? But then when I got this person thinking, I was like, you know, I do notice that there's, you know, this that you talk a lot about. Maybe you haven't forgiven the person and let go and you're walking in a fence. Oh, yeah. I asked the Holy Spirit, see if I'm right, you know, and they came back and it was like, yeah, like that is what's stopping the flow uh, of the miracle that I need is I really did have odd against my brother. Yeah. I really had an issue that I was harboring in and I was keeping it in. But see, people can do that so long that they forget that they're even harboring. It's like becomes a way of life for them. Yeah. And so it needs to be a heart check. It's true, Christina. It needs to be a heart check that absolutely, Christina, uh, she said on YouTube, unforgiveness can make you sick. And that's true. Unforgiveness can make you sick. Mm -hmm. It can also keep away 
your healing miracle that you need. Yeah. Um, if it, if it wasn't even the root of what made you and sick. You, sometimes it's the person like, you know, somebody didn't even do anything that that was that serious and you're all offended about it. Sometimes they do very serious things that are, that are an offense against you, but you still have to choose to forgive. I remember hearing the story when Dr. Rodney Howard Brown first started out ministering and he was young in ministry and he needed, you know, he, he, you know, he needed open doors to minister. You know, he, people, he said, one of the things that annoyed him is pastors would say, um, yeah, give me a call when you're coming through town. He's like, I'm coming through town right now. I need, I, you know, he was looking for open doors. He needed, he was launching out of ministry, but there was this well-known minister that for some reason or other did not like Dr. Rodney or was, was, um, you know, he, he just didn't, he literally was trying to working against him, to be honest with you. And he was well-known and he had influence and he would spread, he would say things to other pastors about Dr. Rodney, about, you know, you don't need to have him in and say bad things about him and all this stuff and really working against his ministry. And you imagine you're starting off in the ministry. You need those open doors, but then also you got this guy who's well-known that's literally working against your ministry and you're young and, and you've got to keep yourself in a place of forgiveness where God can still use you, your faith can still work. And I remember what he said that he did to keep himself in a right spirit. He said, every time it would get back to him that he heard that pastor had said another thing to another pastor, he would send that guy that was talking about him a a gift basket. (laughs) Every single time he heard that pastor was talking about him, he would send him a fruit basket, send him a gift basket, send him a fruit basket. And literally to keep keep his heart right, right, Mm -hmm. to keep his spirit right, he would send that pastor a gift, send him a basket. I mean, literally, I'm not going to be offended. I'm not going to get bent out of shape. I'm not going to walk in unforgiveness. I'm not going to walk in hate. I'm not going to walk in anger. And so he'd bless him. He'd bless him. I've done that plenty of times. Don't get nervous, guys, if you've received gifts from me. (laughs) But I have done that. There's people where I'm ready to, like, you know, move on from, but I'll still... Bless them. You got to keep yourself. You have to. You have to keep yourself in forgiveness, in love. Walk in love. You can't. Uh, I don't know what you'd call it. I'd call it evil, Kim. She said, what would you call that? Jealous? I said, I'd call it evil. Uh, working against one of God's men or women. It's Jealousy evil. is evil. But you have to make, you have to take steps to make yourself walk in love. That's what the Bible says, Diana. Bless those who curse you. You know, it's, it's interesting um, when, you're, when you're thinking about this, that as my wife said earlier, self-control is truly, in my opinion, the most important of the nine fruit of the spirit because I already said that. all, in my opinion. yeah, yeah, you said it. No, in my opinion. No, well, in my her opinion, opinion uh, it's the most important because uh, all of the fruit of the spirit are choices. They don't automatically happen. Their choices. And so responsibilities on me. Exactly. Isn't that interesting that uh, Paul said, if you will walk by the spirit, if you will, then you'll not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. But that puts it on you. You have to walk by the spirit. And then he lists what the fruit of the spirit are. But self-control being the most important because they're all choices. I have an opportunity to either walk in love or get really angry and then act on my anger. But my self-control by the Holy Ghost allows me to walk in love instead of taking somebody's head off. It's self-control. And so here's the question for you. 
Is there anything in your life today, if you look through it, that you're like, man, I actually, I actually am upset at this person. I am. Here's a good, a litmus test. You ready for this? If every time you think of a person, you get irritated. Try that. As you're, I mean, like, has it ever happened to you? Like when a person comes into your mind, you just get irritated or your heart rate goes up. <laughs> hey, I'm being honest. Pray for my wife, y'all. No, seriously. Do a test. Is there anybody that right now? Oh, well, I was just. If you think about them. Happened. I'm not saying right this second. Right. Right if now it, I'm walking in love Kirsten because said I have yes. my faith to work. Right. <laughs> Is there anybody that you can think of that when they're, when they come to your mind, you're angry, you get angry or irritated. You think, what an idiot. Hey, we're all family what an right idiot. now. Victory tribe. Have you checked. ever had that? That's a test because that means there's something in your heart where you don't like, there's something you're holding against that person that makes you feel that way towards them. Makes you feel that way. Let me tell you something interesting that'll work. It's very hard to talk bad about or work against people that you spend time praying for. If you've invested your time praying for an individual, it's very hard to then go talk about them bad because I've already spent time in prayer praying for you and not one of those prayers like, you know, those people like, God, forgive them, get on their case. They need you. Now, not one of those like kinds of prayer, but like you're actually praying, Lord, bless them. Open up the windows of heaven over their family this year. I pray that because what happens is that love is kickstarted in your heart and now you're acting out on it. And now the power of God's using you to bless them. And then you're going to come out and see it changes your heart towards that person. You're not going to come out of the presence of the Lord where you just spent 20 minutes praying for a person in their family and then go back to like, what an idiot. No, it changes you. It changes you. And then what if you took an action to bless them? Laura, you praying for them doesn't change their, (laughs) changing them being idiots. It just releases you. It might. It might. I don't know. Prayer works. It might. Your prayers may change them, Hmm. may change their heart. (laughs) Carolyn doesn't believe in prayer. Apparently she's not. I don't know if it's going to work. Now I've got to look at, relook at my relationships about who's in my space. <laughs> Prayer works. It might change them from being hey, an idiot. you're just more spiritual oh, Actually, than me. let me give you a scripture on it because, you know, scripture is important. Let's, let's, let's go back to some scripture on this because you could have some real knob jobs in your life and you may, you absolutely may have some people in your life that are just like, you know what? This guy. Knob jobs. Yeah. Book of Philemon. You ready for this? Verse 10, Philemon 1.10. I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Verse 11, formerly he was useless to you, but now he's indeed useful to you and to me. Look at that. Onesimus was pretty much an idiot. He was useless. Paul said by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Onesimus was useless. He was useless. And now after Paul's dealings with Onesimus, he's useful. He said, now I'm sending him back to you. You thought he was an idiot. You thought he was useless. And now he's been transformed and now he's useful. And so God can change people. It does. It does take 
It does take some personal responsibility on their part. Of course it will. But God can work on somebody's heart. God can change them. And, and one of the scriptures that I love, and I, I like the way the NLT says it. So if you Just can do a, them, I'm going to pray for you. I don't know if you can do a Google search an and find it where it says make room for one another's faults. Google search that. It's in Colossians 3. All right. Pull Hold it up. Hold on. I want to see it from right. Um, uh, where it says actually making room for one another's faults. That is something that we've got to do. Mm. And it means, I mean like daily. 313. I read knew it. it. A. Colossians 313. Read it. <laughs> Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Colossians 3.13. Make allowance for each other's faults. You understand people aren't perfect. They're striving to be like Jesus, but people aren't perfect. Make allowance. Just have, same way that Dave Ramsey teaches you should have an emergency fund, you should have an emergency fund of peace and patience. I, got, I need a buffer in my life. I need an emergency fund of patience with some of these knob jobs. It's like, I need to have like this whole bumper to where like when you start acting like a, an idiot, it just, it hits my bumper of patience. Some accounts might be greater of that than others. I need an emergency fund. But the, the way you do that is that you work on you on the fruit of the spirit and you've got that buffer and then you're making an allowance. You understand, there are going to times people make mistakes. They are going to do things that are, you know, I'm going to pray for you. That's what I not said. Not to be an idiot. That's what I just said. That's why you're quoting me. She, he, It's she, know. billions she. of she. Um, but it's, it's true. You have to, you have to make allowance for one another's faults, but then take action steps of love towards people who need it. And they do need it. But that keeps you, keeps your heart right. Keeps your, um, Keeps your spirit in Not check. Jobs. Keeps your spirit in check. Where did that even come from? Don't ask me. That's <laughs> something I say. Amen. No, I've I've always said I've it. Heard it. I, I just never. But that's it. And, and actually, by the end of this, we want to pray for. You. I'm, I'm going to give you those again, just in case you just logged on. Seven ingredients for strong faith. Build a faith environment. Number two, build your faith on the word, not experiences. Number three, look at the word, not somebody's personality. Number four, live in obedience. Number five, humble yourself. Number six, develop holy boldness. And number seven, stay in love. Seven ingredients for strong faith. Seven ingredients for strong faith. Very important that we get that. Because God wants us to be people of faith and he's got a plan for us to carry out in the kingdom. Everything we do though takes faith. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray number one, that God would convict you in the, in some of these areas that were, you know, you may have been convicted watching the broadcast, especially on that last point. Maybe there's people in your life that are causing you to be bent out of shape. I'm going to pray that today that God ignites within every one of us that, that fire to do what the Bible says. Uh, and not what our feelings say. Many people in the, in the body of Christ ruled by their feelings. But from this day forward, we're being ruled by the spirit of God within us and the written word of God. Father, we thank you for your anointing that you have distributed to every child of God in the kingdom. Thank you for the Holy Spirit who lives in us, dwells in us, makes his home in us. He leads us and guides us. And we thank you for that. I pray that today, that you would give every one of us a hunger and a desire to grow in faith. 
Lord, don't let us stay where we are. I want to finish even February at a higher level of faith than I did when we began this month in Jesus name. Use us mightily. Use us for your glory. Open doors for us to be impactful this year in your kingdom. Let our faith be so great that literally it would be seen by others. They could take notice of how you operate in someone's life who has faith in your word. Let us be a spectacle on the earth. When everybody else is in fear, we're in faith. When they're in doubt, we're in faith. When they're in anxiety, we're in faith. When they're in depression, we're in faith. And let it be a spectacle to show that we can live apart from the crises of the world and be victorious at all times in the mighty name of Jesus. And if you receive it, throw some fire or some hands up in the comments section if you believe it. Amen. Yeah, watch the replay. ESV even is this Bible. She Who's asked, asking? Alicia asked what I use the English Standard from. Version. She's on the NLT. I also like the NASB, but ESV is what I use the most. I preach out of this. I study out of this. I do my devotions in this. I really, really like it a lot. Really, really like it a lot. Love you too, Rose. We love you, Rose. Listen, we want to encourage you. Uh, as we're doing all of these revivals, I mean, the year is packed with revival. We're not stopping anything. We haven't, we didn't stop last year. We're not stopping this year. We're feeding more children now than we ever have. We're now on television. Uh, It's going around the world. And now we're adding all these different things. We want you to stand with us. And I want to encourage you to sow a seed by faith today. I want to encourage you to sow a seed by faith. You can see on the screen, there's Lena. Love you, Lena. The ways you can do that. But listen, as you're standing with, with us, with Carolyn, with me, what we're doing, you're doing. Yep. What we're accomplishing, you're accomplishing. As you attach your seed to the kingdom of God, the same blessings are extended to you. That's why I love this family that we have. Thank you, Rose, for sowing a seed. You can do what Rose is doing on Facebook, Periscope, or Twitter. Um, You can use hashtag donate in the comments section to sow your seed. Or if you're in the United States, you can use Venmo or Cash App. You can see there on the screen, it's hashtag MWGive, or on Venmo, it's at MWGive. You know, Rose has been healed of cancer. That's powerful. She was on the broadcast with Rhonda and I yep. before she had to go in to um, get checked out. Thank you, Jesus. From her biopsy. And so this was back, um, she's kind of been dealing with it through December and January. But anyway, she has written me several times and the, they did a biopsy back in December. And then when, when she was, when Rhonda, Pastor Rhonda was here, the next day she was going to get it checked out. And the update was the biopsy came back negative. Wow. The doctor said when he did the biopsy, he could not even see the first one that had the, that they saw something that he once said was cancer. He couldn't even see it Come anymore. On. And so, um, and she, she just wrote that to me on February 12th. That's awesome. So on Friday, she wrote me saying, you know, what the doctor saw in pictures and what they thought they were going to, you know, have to deal with her on Rose. They can't find it anymore. God healed her. Billy said, praise God. Mom's last day of radiation was this AM also healed of cancer. Thank you, Jesus. What a wonderful testimony, Rose. That's awesome. Thank God. Yep. Amen. You cannot, if, if you, if, I'm just telling you, you can believe for the impossible and God will do it. He's a God who does 
the impossible. We're seeing testimonies like this everywhere that we're going. God is moving by his spirit. People, you know, if that doesn't show you, people are hungry. I mean, I just look at that meeting we just finished in Albemarle, North Carolina. Wasn't in a major city, Albemarle. It's like an hour outside of Charlotte. It's not in the city. It's in the field, as the Bible would say in Deuteronomy. It's in the country. And people came from everywhere to be a part of that. Why? Because people are hungry right now. The two ladies fly in from Rochester. So you, yeah, you have for to, one night. You have to think that like they flew Kelly into Charlotte, but they had to drive an hour from the airport right. to come to the meeting and then an hour back the next day. That's exactly right. And, and you know what it shows you? People are hungry. That's exactly what it shows you. People are hungry. People are ready for a move of God. They're ready for revival. We are revival people. That's what you have to understand. We are revival people. And when you're standing with us, when you're sowing, not only are we preaching around the world, not only are we feeding more children than we ever have, and you're a part of that, but we're bringing revival to this nation and to other nations. We carry the spirit of revival. We're not waiting on one. We are one. Look, Kelly wrote from New York, seriously life-changing, never Kelly Berardi, she came down She's the with one Sierra came Knight. For one night. Uh, her and Sierra came together. They came for one night, and we appreciate it. We loved seeing you, Kelly. Yep. And God Sierra. will honor your faith. He for absolutely. That. I mean, I mean, I think about Letty, who may still be watching. Letty didn't just come down 14 hours from Massachusetts. She stayed on the final day she was going to be there. She stayed uh, all the way until 8.30 p.m. so she could be in the service for two hours and then drove 14 hours straight through the night to go back home to go to work and be with her family. I mean, God honors that kind of hunger and that kind of faith. And so listen to me as you're sowing, and I want to encourage you to do something significant today. I'm, I'm telling you, time's running out. Jesus is coming and we're not playing games. And so you can see it there. Uh, PayPal's available all over the world. Anybody can go to miracleword.com. Even if you're listening on the podcast, scroll up on your podcast to the description. There's a link in the description where you can click and sow a seed. And I'm telling you, this is the time to attach your wealth to the kingdom of God. God has a blessing prepared for you. He has increase prepared for your life. And so do that today. For everybody that's sowing in February, we're going to give you this awesome book by Brother Kenneth Hagin, Kenneth E. Hagin, Understanding the Anointing. This is an eye-opening book about, you know, you know, many people don't understand the power of God, don't understand the anointing, and God doesn't want us to be ignorant of it, wants us to understand it. This book will open your eyes and teach you things you've never seen, uh, and you can go to miracleword.com forward slash offer, fill out the form, let us know how you sowed, we're going to get this to you uh, as soon as possible. Um, on top of that, let me just say that this wonderful resource the Life Application Study Bible um, is right now my favorite study Bible uh, on the market. It's the best-selling study Bible on the market. And we're going to give you a genuine leather version uh, of this in the New Living Translation. Excellent resource. Anybody that's sewing $1,000 or more, uh, we're going to sew that. Don't forget, the brand new book is out, um, A Complete Guide to Biblical Fasting. We launched this for the new year, and I'm telling you, This book will open your eyes. I love this. And um, I'm so happy we were able to get it out before the new year and before the fast. Grab a copy of this. It's available on Kindle. It's available on Apple Books. You can get the paperback. It's available everywhere. Uh, It's on Amazon in any territory where you live. Grab it. 
uh, it will be a massive blessing to you as well. Don't forget. Wait. So listen to Carolyn. <laughs> See how I did that? <laughs> how many of you guys have been enjoying the new Miracle Word Kids yes. change-up that we've done? Come on. This is an, getting ready to do our like third it. week starting on Wednesday. Every Wednesday. Um, do we have anything in there? There oh, it is. Do. Miracle Word Kids. So every Wednesday we new, now have brand new videos yep. and a principal Bible study and a verse that we're asking the kids to memorize each week. So you can get that at MiracleWordKids.com. This past week was on creativity and what the Bible says about it and how we're called to be creative and he's given us the mind of Christ and you can do uh, anything that God has asked. And so these videos are geared to your kids to help them learn something from it, but not only just watch the video, not only just watch the video, but have uh, a worksheet that I've written up for each video that they can go by, that they can uh, questions to think about, that there's scriptures to read. I have a verse for the week that I want them to work on memorizing. We have a, a, a really cute way that you can cut it out and they can stick it on their mirror in their bathroom. You, know, you can print as many as you want so they can have it in the car. But it's important that we not only um, uh, just hear the word like the Bible says, but then we put it into action. And so that's why I want them to not only watch these videos that we're putting out, but I want them to really get it into their spirit, man, by memorizing, by mm -hmm. reading scripture. You know, for a whole year, we would do a Bible reading mission um, when we first launched Miracle Word Kids. And so that got them to read the Bible. It got parents involved with yeah, their kids. Did. And they were starting to do devotions monthly with their kids. So I didn't want to completely change that up by just doing videos. I still want your children to get into the Word of God and what does the Bible say about and whatever topic we're putting on on Wednesday. So all of this material is completely free. Get your kids involved. I want to see them do it. Send me pictures. Send me videos, you know, that kind of stuff we love to air in our quarterly magazine because we have kids all around the world. I just had someone sign up from Australia. I get a ton from South Africa, a ton from Italy. I've got a father that writes me, him and his daughter from Taiwan. He actually has been sewing into um, Miracle Word Kids because he's like, you know what? I want to attach a seed to what you're doing, mm -hmm. uh, which you available to do on the website, too. But he's like, you know, over in Taiwan that you're giving this stuff for free and I'm able to do it with my daughter. And that, that really touched my heart. So this stuff is all free. Do it with your kids. Every Wednesday we're releasing a video and a Bible study that goes along with it. So you can get all of that at MiracleWordKids.com. But I want to see your kids do it. I love it. It encourages Maddie. Maddie loves to see it. Brooklyn, Teddy, they love to be a part of it with your kids and uh, learn the Word of God at the same time. Yeah, it's awesome. Send us pictures of the people watching, reading, cutting out, pasting the verse on the mirror, whatever. Let us see it. We want to use it. We want to see kids uh, getting involved with what uh, is going on with Miracle Word Kids. AJ's asked a question. He said, how should I go about leaving the church that we're currently attending? It's kind of a hyper grace church, which by the way is false doctrine. Um, the pastor's wife claims to hear God audibly 24 seven. Things are getting weird. And then he said, my wife thinks we should wait for confirmation, but we see enough confirmation of what's wrong there already. What should we do? If it were me, um, just the same with leaving a job, AJ, um, 
you don't leave one until you have another one lined up. I would make sure that you have a good um, spirit-filled church that you're going to begin attending that you can be faithful to. Don't just leave and say, well, now we got to find, no, know where you're going before you go. And then I would say, um, you know, depending on how long you've gone there, I would say the most respect is meet with your pastors. Even if you, they don't have time to meet with you personally in the office, or even if you talk to them at the altar, just tell them, thank them for everything that they've sown into you and your family. Thank them for praying for you. Thank them for being your leaders for the time. Let them know the Lord's leading you elsewhere. Uh, don't leave in division. Don't leave in problems. Don't leave with a rebuke. You're not called to rebuke those pastors. You're not called to correct their doctrine. You're not called to do any of that. You just thank them. You say, appreciate all you've done for my family and for me. Get them a gift. Um, you know, I would say buy them, get them a gift card to a restaurant or get them a gift and say, Hey, we wanted to thank you yep. for being such great pastors to our family. Uh, we got you a gift. We are being led elsewhere, but we really, really want to thank you. Uh, leave in love, leave in incur in an encouraging way. Uh, if you can tell them, even if there's a testimony, tell them a testimony of, of what God's done, uh, in your family or in your life, uh, through the church. You know, and so I would do that. I would start there. Seems like you already have confirmation. So I don't know what else you're, I mean, no, was it his family that's waiting for? No, his, his wife was saying like, we should wait for confirmation from the Lord, but that's enough. But I mean, you it know, sounds like they have enough. They do. Yeah. They do. So yeah, you they have do. enough. That's what you, he said. You've heard confirmation. Yeah. So I would just do it. And you, you need to do a search, you know, help, Google will help you. Spirit filled churches. Um, off the top of my head, I don't have any that I know in central New Jersey, but search it out find it and know where you're going before you leave the other church, because it's important. Just like a job. You don't just say, well, I'm quitting this job. I don't have one lined up, but I'm quitting. Know where you're headed. It's about where you're going, not where you are. So very, very important that you do that. And I would say, bless the pastors. Thank the yeah. pastors. Um, if they see, you can't control that AJ. If they, t if they're offended that you're leaving, um, that's, that's on them. You know, you do it as yeah. You kindly. lead the right way, and then that's all yeah. that really matters. Bless them, thank them, and uh, you don't be changed by it. And if they get offended, that's not on you because you did it the right way. You know, you did it the right way. You loved, um, blessed, whatever, and then you just tell them we're led. We're led. We're led uh, to go elsewhere. So, and that's and that's what you do. But you have somewhere to go before you go. Yeah. Thanks John, for, that's not even how you spell Rochester, and nobody says it like that. I, I don't know what. He spelled R-O-E. He's like, why does everyone say Rochester? But then he spelled Ro Rochester it's wrong Ro anyway. It's Rochester. It's Rochester. Rochester, New York. And there's no E at the beginning. We love you. Love you too, love AJ. Love you guys. Thanks for hanging with us. Thanks for spending time with us. We'll be back again in the morning, 10.30 a.m. And then don't forget, Wednesday through Friday morning, you'll be live with us at the Signs and Wonders Camp Meeting morning day sessions at 10.30 a.m. Love you guys. Thanks for hanging with us. We'll see you again tomorrow morning. Later. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.